0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Interactions, a podcast about law and religion, and how they interact in the world around us. It's Monday, February twenty-first, and today, we hear from Patrick Hornbeck of Fordham University and his article, The Limit Case, Vaccination Mandates Without Religious Exemptions. Should states be able to mandate vaccination whether against COVID 19 or any other disease, without providing any accommodation for those whose religious beliefs prohibit it? Amidst all the litigation concerning COVID vaccination mandates, this question represents the limit case. Four states, scattered localities, and numerous private institutions have declined to carve out religious exemptions from vaccination mandates especially for school children and workers in sensitive settings such as hospitals. Our constitutional question arises during a period when the U.S. Supreme Court has given religious convictions an increasingly wide berth. In one line of cases, all litigated on the so-called shadow docket, the court held pandemic era restrictions must treat religious exercise at least as well as comparable secular activities. In a second line of cases, the court limited the reach of a controversial precedent enabling the state to burden religious exercise as an incidental side effect of neutral generally applicable laws. Both lines of cases indicate that a majority of the justices are uneasy with And perhaps willing to overturn principles of the free exercise jurisprudence they inherited from their predecessors. You're listening to the Interactions Podcast. I'm Janet Metzger. We will explore our topic in four parts. First up is a brief history of vaccination mandates in U.S. jurisdictions. Second, a survey of the legal challenges to COVID area mandates lacking religious exemptions. Third, would a majority of the justices find these mandates to fall within the ambit of Employment Division v. Smith? And last, the argument. Regardless of the level of scrutiny, COVID-19 vaccination mandates containing medical but not religious exemptions are constitutional under the First Amendment's Free Exercise Clause. Vaccination has been an indispensable component of the public health arsenal for centuries. But skepticism about vaccination is of equal vintage. Sordid experiments involving members of minority racial groups have led some U.S. communities of color to be wary of vaccines, particularly when state-mandated. Controversies about vaccination first reached the Supreme Court in the early 20th century. In 1902, faced with an outbreak of smallpox, Cambridge's Public Health Board mandated that residents be immunized or pay a $5 fine. Henning Jacobson was a Lutheran pastor who refused because he had suffered a childhood illness as a side effect of vaccination against a different disease. Notably, Jacobson did not claim that vaccination violated his beliefs. In Jacobson v. Massachusetts, the court held 7-2 to that the police power of a state must be held to embrace at least such reasonable regulations established directly by legislative enactment as will protect the public health. Subsequent cases confirmed that vaccination mandates lie within the state's police power. In Prince v. Massachusetts, which followed the incorporation of the Free Exercise Clause against the states, the court discussed religious beliefs. Prince featured a minister of the Jehovah's Witnesses who held guardianship over a nine-year-old girl. In violation of state child labor laws, Prince brought the girl to the downtown of Brockton, Massachusetts, to distribute religious literature. Prince claimed that her First Amendment free exercise right trumped the labor statutes, but the court disagreed five to four. Relying on Jacobson, it held that the right to practice religion freely does not include liberty to expose the community or the child to communicable disease or the latter to ill health or death. As compulsory public education spread, states began requiring immunization for schoolchildren. Few early mandates contained exemptions for religious or conscientious objectors, and courts repeatedly turned away challenges. But beginning in the 1960s, school vaccination laws nationwide underwent a major overhaul. By 1981, all states had enacted mandates for schoolchildren, and virtually all of these laws explicitly provided non-medical exemptions, either religious, philosophical, or both. Only West Virginia and Mississippi have never allowed non-medical exemptions. By the 2010s, concerns about the proliferation and misuse of religious exemptions led three states to repeal their exemptions for schoolchildren. California did so in 2015, New York and Maine in 2019. California's and New York's enactments both withstood challenges under the federal and state free exercise clauses. As we all know, COVID-19 struck the U.S. in early 2020. To date, more than 800,000 residents have perished. The public health response has been highly politicized and litigated. Early suits tended to involve state and local rules, restricting the size and scope of religious gatherings. After vaccines became available, litigants have challenged mandates that require employees in certain regulated industries, especially healthcare, care, to be vaccinated. At the same time, state legislatures have amended statutes governing school immunizations. These mandates uniformly exempt people for whom immunization may be medically contraindicated but a few mandates do not include exemptions for religious or personal belief. Four states, all in the Northeast, have adopted mandates for health care workers and or school children that lack non-medical exemptions. All four have been challenged in court. The litigants in Maine and New York unsuccessfully sought emergency relief at the Supreme Court. Similar legal questions underlie all these challenges. The precedent that ostensibly provides the framework for determining whether the mandates violate the Free Exercise Clause is Employment Division, Department of Human Resources of Oregon, v. Smith. Smith involved two members of the Native American church who used the hallucinogenic plant peyote as part of a church ritual. They were denied unemployment benefits after failing drug tests at the rehabilitation center where they worked as substance abuse counselors. In an opinion by Justice Scalia, the court held that an individual has the obligation to comply with a valid and neutral law of general applicability, even when the law proscribes or prescribes conduct that his religion prescribes or proscribes. If a law is not neutral and generally applicable, then strict scrutiny applies. Smith ignited a bipartisan firestorm that resulted in the enactment of the Federal and State Religious Freedom Restoration Acts, or RFRAs. As Carolyn Long has shown, Smith's critics charged Justice Scalia with judicial activism, a term usually reserved for liberal members of the court. Although a majority of the sitting justices have criticized Smith's reasoning, there does not appear to be a majority for overruling it. In last year's case, Fulton v. City of Philadelphia, Justice Barrett penned a concurrence in which she observed that the textual and structural arguments against Smith are more compelling than those for it. Yet she, joined by Justices Breyer and Kavanaugh, Urged caution about overturning Smith before the court determines what should replace it. In this period of uncertainty, the court has been hesitant to find that challenged laws fall within Smith's ambit. In Masterpiece Cake Shop v. Colorado Civil Rights Commission, the court did not apply Smith. Because it focused instead on supposedly anti religious and therefore non neutral remarks that state civil rights commissioners had made. In Fulton, the court held that Philadelphia's contract with a foster care agency was not generally applicable because the contract allowed a city official to grant discretionary exemptions from a local non discrimination ordinance so it is uncertain whether the court would hold that vaccination mandates lacking religious exemptions are neutral and generally applicable. Let's start by defining these terms. The court has struggled to distinguish neutrality and general applicability. In Church of the Lukumi Babaluai v. City of Hialeah, the justices struck down local ordinances that sought to ban the practice of animal sacrifice by adherents of Santeria. Justice Kennedy's opinion for the court noted that neutrality and general applicability are interrelated, and failure to satisfy one requirement is a likely indication that the other has not been satisfied. According to Justice Kennedy, if the object of a law is to infringe upon or restrict practices because of their religious motivation, the law is not neutral. But Justice Scalia, concurring in the judgment, would have defined neutrality more narrowly. The defect of lack of neutrality applies primarily to laws that by their terms impose disabilities on the basis of religion. As to general applicability, the court in Lukumi declined to define it with precision. The court's most recent free exercise clause case, Fulton, featured a slightly different interpretation of the Smith test. In his opinion for the court, Chief Justice Roberts observed that government fails to act neutrally when it proceeds in a manner intolerant of religious beliefs or restricts practices because of their religious nature. As to general applicability, a law fails if it invites the government to consider the particular reasons for a person's conduct by providing a mechanism for individualized exemptions. But a law may also not be generally applicable— if it prohibits religious conduct while permitting secular conduct that undermines the government's asserted interests in a similar way. Now, let's come back to the vaccine mandates. They are facially neutral with regard to religion. That is to say, they do not explicitly mention it, except in provisions grandfathering in people with existing religious exemptions. The mandates would almost certainly have satisfied Justice Scalia. But in the years since his passing, the court appears to have looked for what Douglas Laycock has called substantive neutrality, examining such factors as legislative history and contemporary public statements to determine whether government officials have operated even-handedly toward and among religions. Opponents of vaccination mandates have taken notice of the court's interest in the motivations of lawmakers and regulators. The health care workers challenging New York's mandate narrated the events leading to the enactment of the mandate and New York Governor Hochul's subsequent public comments. The former governor, Andrew Cuomo, had indicated before leaving office that the state's health care worker mandate would include a religious exemption but the regulation issued eight days into Kathleen Hochul's tenure did not contain one. Governor Hochul noted that no organized religion had sanctioned requests for exemptions. Moreover, at a church service, she publicly thanked God for the COVID-19 vaccines and commented that, "...you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants." Dissenting from the denial of emergency injunctive relief, Justice Gorsuch stressed these circumstances. Calling Governor Hochul's comments extraordinary and implying she showed overt animus against religious objectors, Justice Gorsuch opined that the revised mandate was specifically directed at the applicant's unorthodox religious beliefs and practices. Some elements of the record support this characterization. But the state argued that its actions reflect two different regulatory processes led by different officials that proceeded in parallel. And contrary to Justice Gorsuch, Governor Hochul's remarks can be distinguished from the kind of subjective animosity toward religion the justices found problematic in cases such as Masterpiece Cake Shop, and Brooklyn Diocese. Unlike those state actors, Governor Hochul made her statements several weeks after the Regulation's enactment, not prior to or contemporaneously with it. In addition, while New York public health officials serve at the Governor's pleasure, she did not issue the mandate herself. But there are other reasons, separate from the regulators' motivations, that many of the justices would find the vaccination mandates non-neutral. These come from the court's cases involving pandemic-era restrictions on religious services. In Tandem v. Newsom, the court summarized a series of points its COVID decisions have made clear. The first was that regulations fail the Smith test whenever they treat any comparable secular activity more favorably than religious exercise. Whether activities are comparable must be judged against the asserted government interest that justifies the regulation at issue. For some opponents of vaccination mandates, the presence of a medical exemption without a religious exemption is a telltale sign of non-neutrality under Tandon. But there are numerous reasons to believe that medical and religious exemptions are not comparable with respect to the government interests justifying them. Religious and medical exemptions stand in opposite relationships to the government's interest in public health. If a state's goal is to promote public health, by vaccinating as many individuals as possible? Exempting religious objectors frustrates that goal in a way that exempting those who cannot medically receive a vaccine does not. Moreover, public health officials' experience with other vaccination mandates indicates that medical and religious exemptions are typically of different scope and duration. Many contraindications against COVID-19 vaccines are temporary, resulting, for instance, from treatment for other illnesses. Religious exemptions are, by default, of unlimited duration. And typically, many more individuals claim religious than medical exemptions, with religious objectors sometimes clustering geographically in patterns that facilitate the spread of disease. When New York permitted religious exemptions for healthcare workers, at least three to four times as many sought exemptions for religious compared to medical reasons. So, it's arguable that vaccine mandates lacking religious exemptions are neutral, although the motivations of lawmakers may render them otherwise. But under Smith, they also have to be generally applicable. Dissenting in the main case, Judge Gorsuch explained that the state's mandate failed this latter test because it makes individualized exemptions available for medical reasons but not religious ones. According to Justice Gorsuch, because the statute does not provide objective criteria for determining whether a person qualifies for a medical exemption— it seems Maine will respect even mere trepidation over vaccination as sufficient, but only so long as it is phrased in medical and not religious terms. The text of some of the contested mandates bears out Justice Gorsuch's observation. In Maine, medical exemptions are available where a licensed health care provider certifies that immunization may be medically inadvisable. New York provides an exemption for schoolchildren when a licensed physician certifies that such immunization may be detrimental to a child's health. Other mandates use indicative rather than subjunctive language. For healthcare workers, New York carves out an exemption where immunization with COVID-19 vaccine is detrimental to a person's health. Connecticut exempts people where immunization is medically contraindicated. In Rhode Island, a medical exemption is available where a health care provider finds someone exempt for medical reasons. These mandates vary in objectivity, to be sure. Yet even the mandates with less objective standards are a far cry from the individualized exemptions the court has found problematic. In cases like Sherbert v. Verner and Fulton, decisions about exemptions were made by government officials, and the standard was discretionary rather than objective. In Sherbert especially, the court found that a good cause standard allowed state officials to make forbidden moral or value judgments. None of these features appears in the vaccination mandates, where states have outsourced decisions to health care providers. While the mandates differ in the objectivity of their standards, each refers to a provider's professional judgment, medical opinion, or licensure by the state. The mandates do not employ terms suggesting moral evaluation or mere discretion. Indeed, in Smith itself, possession of peyote was exempt from Oregon's criminal law when the drug had been prescribed by a licensed practitioner. Yet the court found the statute generally applicable. For all these reasons, it's hard not to imagine the justices being divided over whether vaccination mandates lacking religious exemptions are neutral, generally applicable laws. But even if the court holds the mandates fall outside the ambit of Smith, they should still survive strict scrutiny. We'll be right back after the break. Hi Interactions listeners, this is Justin Laterell at the Center for the Study of Law and Religion. If you like this episode and want to learn more about the interactions of law and religion around the world, check out the link to our book brochure in the podcast description. There you'll find over 40 new titles like God and the Illegal Alien by Robert Heimberger and Michael Perry's new book on Human Rights, Democracy, and Constitutionalism. Each title includes a short description and a link to buy the book online. Thanks for listening to Interactions. Let's be clear. For the court to review vaccination mandates under strict scrutiny, would be to break from the approach of cases like Jacobson. That step has been advocated by those holding disparate points of view on the religion clauses. Strict scrutiny requires the government show it has employed the most narrowly tailored means available to satisfy a compelling state interest. Even prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, courts struggled to identify the appropriate level of generality at which government should define its interest in free exercise cases. Courts may not simply accept the government's invocation of an interest at a high level of generality, such as promoting public health, if the means the government has chosen to pursue that interest are not religiously neutral. In Lukumi, the court focused on a fairly specific interest of the cities, prohibiting animal killings and the unsanitary disposal of animal remains. For the vaccination mandates, the relevant interests are the public health benefits that flow from vaccinating as many people as possible. It is not seriously disputed that they are compelling. What about less restrictive alternatives? Dissenting in the Maine case, Justice Gorsuch noted that Maine's decision to terminate the employment of workers who refused vaccination on religious grounds runs counter to its interest in a viable health care infrastructure. If Maine or another state is willing to employ unvaccinated health care workers who have one set of reasons for not being vaccinated, why not extend that exemption to those with other reasons? The Establishment Clause places important limits on the discretion state actors may exercise in assessing requests for religious exemptions. Government may inquire only into the sincerity of an objector's belief. To avoid showing preference, state actors must treat all sincere beliefs equally. And inquiry into sincerity is highly deferential. Therefore, the available options are categorical exempt all sincere religious objectors, or deny them all. Even in states with rifras, the case-by-case analysis usually required under those statutes must yield to the Establishment Clause's clearest command that one religious denomination cannot be officially preferred over another. But if the only constitutionally acceptable alternative would be to exempt all sincere religious objectors, we have already seen why this approach would not achieve the state's interests as effectively. And as a policy matter, should the court decide that religious exemptions to COVID-19 vaccination mandates are constitutionally required so long as a state provides medical exemptions, The consequences would reverberate beyond the current pandemic. States could tighten the language of their statutes and regulations governing medical exemptions, but it is a non-starter for a state to contemplate eliminating medical exemptions entirely. If both medical and religious exemptions to COVID-19 mandates are required, it is hard to see how a state could withhold religious exemptions from vaccination for any disease, requiring lesser or equal herd immunity. Even for diseases like measles, where the immunization rate must be much higher to prevent community spread, a state would have to argue that the epidemiological difference is of constitutional magnitude. Although strict scrutiny has been called strict in theory, Fatal in fact, vaccination mandates may be one of a limited number of domains where the state has a compelling interest but no less restrictive means of pursuing it. Up to this point, we've been proceeding on the assumption that the court will assess vaccination mandates under the rule of Smith, rational basis review for neutral and generally applicable laws, strict scrutiny otherwise the justices have had no appetite for reconsidering Smith in the context of emergency applications for injunctive relief. But it is not out of the question that the court might grant certiorari in a case involving a mandate without a religious exemption. Such a case could provide a context to consider, with benefit of full briefing and oral argument, the number of issues to work through if Smith were overruled. Unlike Fulton, where Philadelphia's challenged policy came under the same standard, regardless whether Smith stays or goes, in litigation over vaccination mandates, it is possible that some justices would find the mandates satisfy the rule of Smith, yet fail strict scrutiny. The court might contemplate several alternatives— One, likely to appeal to originalists, would be to consider the understanding of the free exercise right that prevailed at the time of the framing. An amicus brief in the New York litigation has anticipated this approach. Lawyers for Americans United for Separation of Church and State traced the views about religious exercise held by the framers and founding-era legislatures. Quoting Madison, Jefferson, Washington, and others, the brief demonstrated that these framers, at least, believed that government could limit religious exercise when principles break out into overt acts against peace and good order, as Jefferson put it. During and shortly after the American Revolution— The Continental Congress, as well as state and city governments, regularly imposed quarantine measures and compulsory inoculations under the police power. Seven of the 13 original states' founding documents convey the understanding that, to quote Georgia's 1777 Constitution, all persons whatever shall have the free exercise of their religion, provided it be not repugnant to the peace and safety of the state. But because an originalist approach is not likely to command the votes of a majority, another alternative would be to revert to the pre-Smith rule. This would be something like scrutiny for all, or at least many, government actions that incidentally burden religious exercise. Yet there does not appear to be a majority for this either, The concurrence by Justices Barrett, Kavanaugh, and Breyer in Fulton suggested they are skeptical about this path, and neither Justice Sotomayor nor Justice Kagan has criticized Smith. So, a third approach, one that seems likely to garner five or more votes, would be to replace Smith with some much more nuanced standard— such as the court has used in the case of conflicts between generally applicable laws and other First Amendment rights, like speech and assembly. To sum up, in the past decade, Public health officials have reassessed the costs and benefits of religious exemptions from immunization requirements at the same time that religious litigants have turned to the courts to seek safe harbor from state mandates of numerous kinds. The intersection of these trends with the devastating pandemic has made the conflicts we have been surveying all the more combustible. While controversy has surrounded nearly every vaccination mandate implemented in the era of COVID-19, four states' decisions to impose mandates without religious exemptions represent the limit case. Recent and pending litigation concerning these mandates demonstrates at least three things. First, the already unpopular rule of Smith has become increasingly attenuated— courts have found that an increasing proportion of laws that do not mention religion on their face fail either the test of neutrality or that of general applicability. Second, vaccination mandates are likely to be reviewed under strict scrutiny, yet they may be among the few laws to pass the most demanding test known to constitutional law. Finally, If the current state of First Amendment jurisprudence forces judges to choose between rational basis review under Smith or strict scrutiny outside it, it will be all the more imperative for the Supreme Court to work through and wrestle with the proper contours of a more finely calibrated approach to the Free Exercise Clause. That was The Limit Case, Vaccination Mandates Without Religious Exemptions by Patrick Hornbeck. You can find the full article on Canopy Forum by following the link in the episode description. Canopy Forum and the Interactions Podcast are distributed by the Center for the Study of Law and Religion at Emory University and produced by Anna Knudsen. I am your narrator, Janet Metzger. You can follow Canopy Forum on Twitter or Facebook, and subscribe to Interactions on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for listening.